We have to go back! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. I'm Ricky. I'm Grayson. And with Paw Patrol on a roll to the theaters, the movie, Paw Patrol the movie, I should say, we decided to take a look at another dog-namic duo, but they're not both dogs. Just one of them is the 1989 movie Turner and Hooch. And also, there's just a Turner and Hooch Disney Plus show. That's right. With Josh Peck, yeah. If you're new to this podcast, we like to uh, have a very loose leash on premises of movies that are being released currently and finding a movie that is loosely connected uh, from the past. And that is what brings us to the 1989 movie Turner and Hooch. Grayson, I know you've seen this movie. Yeah. I have not. And something that I thought was really interesting, I was convinced that Turner and Hooch was based off of a TV show. Oh. I th- I thought it was a movie based off of a TV show just because the premise alone sounded like it would be based off of a, a TV show premise of like, oh, this man is partnered with the dog because he he's in the doghouse. And I don't know. I, I just really thought it was one of those buddy cop type of things that was just so outlandish that uh, it was and so popular that it would make its own appearance yeah. as a movie it's popular yeah <laughs> Pop. yes uh, yeah no it's uh well that's the thing about the 80s right is everything kind of seemed like a television premise yeah um, the lines were blurred for sure <laughs> uh yeah i had seen this before and i mean we can talk about we could talk about it we're yeah. going to talk about it we will we will yeah. um but yes the premise is uh, both outlandish and still grounded for yes. the small town that it takes place in. Tom Hanks in this movie is just a gift. He he is just a delightful dog treat for all to enjoy. <laughs> uh, and he plays this really uptight by the book police officer uh, who hopes to leave his sleepy California town and work in the big city. Uh, and then his friend, Amos Reed, played by John McIntyre, the proprietor of a junkyard, is killed. Uh, and Turner reluctantly inherits the man's dog, Hooch. Uh, and realizing that the canine may be able to help him solve the murder case being the closest thing they have to a witness, Turner attempts to adjust to life with the big dog, resulting in much household destruction and unwelcome chaos. Uh, the script for this movie uh, was purchased by Touchstone Pictures for $1 million, Grayson. Wow. This was the highest amount ever paid by Touchstone for any script at the time. I, I, I can't believe it. They must have known that they had something special here because um, it really has lived on. I feel like since it came out, Turner and Hooch has been... A pretty widely known thing, even to the point of making this new show about it, uh, with almost no marketing other than some character posters, it seems like. It's just like, yep, yeah, Turner and Hooch, you know, the dog movie. Yeah, it had a pretty solid budget to work with. With a budget of $13 million, it went on to make over $71 million in the wow. box office. It's a lot of millions. Oh, it's a lot of millions. Now, originally, I can't imagine this movie with anyone but 
Tom Hanks. Uh, but Tom Hanks was not the first choice for this movie. Some of the other runner-ups for the role of Turner includes Chevy Chase. Yeah, that would have been a very different, uh, different vibe. Because I feel like uptight Chevy Chase is still pretty loose. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it just would have been uh, the other movie that was released around the time with uh, Jim Belushi called K-9. Right. Which we debated. Right. Doing that <laughs> one as well. Yeah. We said, I'll take the Tom Hanks one. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Jack Nicholson, Bill Murray were also considered for the role of Scott Turner. And and you mentioned that, the you know, the... The legacy has lived on. The movie did really well. Uh, a pilot for Turner and Hooch television series was filmed uh, starring Thomas F. Wilson of Back to the Future fame yeah. and Wendy Pratt. And it ultimately never uh, – they filmed the pilot, but it never got picked up for a series. But it was released as a – I guess technically a sequel. Uh, it aired on the magical world of Disney, uh, but that was the closest thing that we had to any follow-up material. Uh, this is not the first time that Turner and Hooch has made somewhat of an inspirational appearance on the podcast. When we reviewed Toy Story, we mentioned that uh, the line from Turner and Hooch, oh, don't eat the, don't eat the, you're not supposed to eat the seat, was used in an animation test for Toy Story. Uh, and when Tom Hanks saw the test footage of Woody being animated to that line from Turner and Hooch, uh, that convinced him to take the role of Sheriff Woody. Hmm. The dog's name, Hooch, was actually... Beasley. Beasley, yes. Introducing Be Beasley. Beasley. Uh, Beasley was our main hooch, but there were several hooches. I want to say there were three. And uh, the breed of dog is a Dagu de Bordeaux. Blush. And uh, that is French for good boy. Good boy. <laughs> but, you know, my, my French is, is, is fuzzy. Uh, but the, the dogs... Uh, actually spent a significant amount of time with Tom Hanks prior to filming just so that they would get along with him uh, yeah. so that the connections were real. And one of the final scenes that we'll get to a little bit later filmed with Tom Hanks um, was the last scene that they filmed together, the Turner and Hooch. Uh, so the the tearful departure was was real. Because, uh, you know, I mean, if anyone spends any amount of time with any dog, even if it's someone else's dog, it feels like you are lifelong friends. So yeah. even even when you're just ending a shoot and you're like, OK, I guess I got to say bye to this dog. It, uh, it brings some tears. Yeah. That's why I just stopped dog sitting because I'd get way too attached for like a oh, weekend. Yeah. 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 And that was before I, I had my own dog. And now uh, I... I was watching the movie last night, just holding my dog and being like, don't go anywhere. No, don't go anywhere. Forever. Oh, man. That sounds brutal. Yeah, oh, man. So Emotional. Yeah. So for those of you who have not seen Turner and Hooch, you should go see it. It's on Disney+. Plus. Go ahead and pause this podcast because we are going to get into pause. super spoil. But pause it. Pause it with your pause. Uh, we're going to go into some spoiler territory. Turner died. No, uh, Hooch. <laughs> so, but really, Hooch. Uh, <laughs> so, at the end of the movie, Hooch yeah. dies. Uh, yeah. Hooch gets shot. Mm -hmm. Um, 
in the in line the of duty, it's yeah. it was it was more brutal than I was expecting it to be because I knew this happened in the movie, but I didn't know how it happened. And oh, anyway, uh, there's an alternate ending filmed where Hooch survives. Okay, so they shot it where Hooch pulls a gun on Turner. <laughs> oh, you were that, in on it the whole time. An alternate ending was filmed in which Hooch survives. And both endings were tested with different audiences because, uh, you know, typically when movies are made, they film a bunch of different options to kind of see what is going to respond best with audiences. So both endings scored basically the same, uh, but the original ending provoked a passionate emotional response from the audience, while the alternate ending elicited a quietly positive response. Uh, and so Disney, <laughs> Disney's chief... Jeffrey Katzenberg decided to use the original ending because that is what the filmmakers wanted. Yeah. I mean, it's a a strong choice. Bold It is. It is. It's been a a long time since I've seen this movie, but when I was a kid, I, I watched it a lot. And it's amazing how the human brain can protect you from certain things because I completely forgot that that was the ending. Yeah. So when it was happening, it was very much the Anakin Padme meme of which is okay, right? Which is, is okay, okay right? right? And I just had totally forgot that that's what it is. I also think it's very possible that as a kid, I did not make the connection that the hooch we see at the end, very end, uh, yeah. was supposed to be a puppy. Yeah, I'd be like, oh, the rest of them looked like the lady dog. Like, this is definitely hooch, right? And yeah. so um, I don't know if I fully grasped the ending as a child. Uh, yeah. I definitely got it now, though. Mm-hmm. Hold yeah. my dog a little closer. There's no shaking that. Watching this movie for the first time, it was completely different than what I thought. I got a lot of Airbud vibes from this movie because it's like, oh, you think it's going to be this silly movie about this ridiculous premise of just like, oh, so the dog's a cop? Uh, but then you see the movie and it's like, oh, this is actually a much more grounded premise than what I thought it would be. And it's also really emotional. Like, surprisingly emotional yeah when hooch is crying at the death of his owner like that's what 10 minutes in yeah it's like um this is this is different than i thought it was gonna be this is different than i thought it was going to be i remember a fun dog movie where he jumps through a door Yeah, well, I'm over here watching this movie. I'm like, how is this on Disney Plus? Like, I know Disney's like, oh, there's no R ratings on here, but like, it's it is intense. It it was a it was a movie that I mean, there's lots of violence in there. There's you know multiple murders, and this movie has a PG rating. Just yeah. just just regular parental guidance. No thirteen. I, uh, oof, I just no. anyway. I just. But you know, just... Endgame is on Disney Plus too. <laughs> well, so. fair, oh. fair. And... But that was that was a uh, kind of realization, and I've heard about this with Disney Plus that they promote the the core buckets of content so heavily, right. but there really is such a huge library yeah. of films on Disney Plus. You just got to dig a little deeper for it, and so finding something like this, and being like, oh yeah, this is. This is where this lives in streaming made me want to poke around more to see 
you know, what what else am I missing on Disney Plus? Something else I, I realized from this movie is that first off, Tom Hanks, what a delightful just seeing young Tom Hanks at work, just giving it his all. Uh, when He's I was watching places. this, yeah. I watched this with my wife, and so so, so many of the scenes with uh, uh, Tom Hanks and Beasley, uh, my wife turned to me. She's like. Is this why they got they got him in Castaway? Because like he's carrying on these scenes with a dog, like he's having full on like th- these are dialogues, these aren't monologues. Like he is interacting with Beasley, and Beasley is yeah. giving responses, and it's just it is such a joy to watch. And he's doing it in his underwear too, so <laughs> very Castaway vibes. Because yeah. I was like, "This is a lot of Tom Hanks. Have I ever seen? Oh yes, I have. I've seen yeah. this much Tom Hanks. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I mean, th- those scenes are just so believable and so fun. And I just, oh, I, I, I just had so much more fun than I was expecting. This is a solid story that you know has antics in it, and it is fun, but it's not, uh, it's not like pandering to kids by any stretch of the imagination and we didn't really talk about um another uh flashback flicks alum appearance by craig t nelson mm. just and reginald vel mm. johnson so that's just, whew, yeah man when I, see when i looked him? at the cast and i was like why oh, he my wife even said she's like are you intentionally picking <laughs> reginald Del johnson films like no he's just everywhere all the time <laughs> This uh, podcast is 100% a Reginald Val Johnson Stan podcast, in case anyone was wondering. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he showed up, and I was like, "This is this is already going to be a great movie." And then Craig T. Nelson, uh, the voice of Mister Incredible, as my wife knows him, uh, <laughs> he did such a solid job being so good. And so bad, the exchange in the third act was just like, that's that's drug money. I don't know that. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. <laughs> that's so good. And then he was trying to lure him over to the dark side. Oh, man. I just, there are so many layers in this movie that I was just not expecting to have. Like, it's th- th- this movie, I feel like, uh, is a perfect example of under-promise and over-deliver. Like you think yeah. you're getting just a simple buddy cop dog movie, and you get you you get a good boy. Well, you, you, well you done. Get it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah it's uh, surprisingly understated, and I feel like it always has been because people talk about Turner and Hooch, uh, but they don't really lean into like. I feel like everyone has a a vague working understanding of the movie. Yeah, but there is so much. Uh, under the hood, really, with what this is delivering on. So yeah. I'm I'm very glad that we watched this. And and Mayor Winningham, oh my goodness. I and I didn't realize there is a, a movie apparently um called News of the World. Oh yeah. Uh, that was a Apple Plus movie. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that had that reunites Tom Hanks and Mayor Winningham. Uh and that they what what an adorable late 80s couple. I was just so happy <laughs> when they got together. I was like Oh, this so, they this this is sweet. That in that moment with him, with, with Tom Hanks in there, it was just so sweet. He was like, "Ah, oh, listen, I can't, I can't stay. We're gonna, we're just gonna fall in love. I just gotta go. I just gotta go. We could paint the hallway. 
tomorrow. <laughs> I was like, a lot of people think about like, you know, Sleepless in Seattle of like some of the top Tom Hanks rom-com moments. For me, that moment right there is just perfect. <laughs> when I was watching this with my wife, <laughs> uh, that's why I, I think uh, Nora Ephron says this like everyone when they're writing a rom-com is thinking about Tom Hanks as their, as their lead. <laughs> and not everyone's lucky to get him, but everyone's thinking it. And so my wife said, that's why he's the standard. That's why he's the standard. It's just such a great scene. That That's one of my favorite moments in the movie. Yeah. And I like that he stays and helps, not out of some altruistic, you know, I want to help the local vet, or even, <laughs> even out of romance. That's not, yeah. it's just his obsession to have to have everything in order. Yep. It's like, what a great reason. It's like, this is, this is going to bother me. I yeah. can't leave it like this. Yeah. And uh, that I resonated with that. That, that connected <laughs> with me. Yeah. See, I wish that I saw this movie earlier um, just so that I could have, like, used that in my dating scene. Oh, yeah. Being like, your like, life oh. is a mess. Let me fix it. <laughs> that would have worked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I think is undeniable about this movie is one of the most iconic scenes in this movie is when Hooch blasts his head through that door. It is. It really is, though. Yeah. I mean, no one would think that a dog would have done that. Like, if if they had gotten the investigator to come through and see, they're like, oh, well, clearly this was the use of a head cannon. Head cannon. (laughs) Slobber everywhere. Slobber. Like you ate a tennis show. shoe when you got the laces <laughs> hanging out. Hey, Canada is the part of the show where we share a few unique ideas about the movie and untold stories based on evidence provided by the film. I mean, right out of the gate, I mean, I don't even know if this is Hey Canon. It just kind of feels like it's true. And the, it doesn't need to be in a discount movie van, but I feel like it would be in a similar collection. But this is part of the Reginald Vell Johnson career of heroes. Yeah. Uh, where basically I'm trying to decide if this puts him, I think this is early in his career. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm going to say it's definitely, okay. So it's early in his career. It's pre Ghostbusters. Okay. Or maybe it's post Ghostbusters. It's post Ghostbusters because of locations. Because Ghostbusters there in New York. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he's, you know, he's in. California here, right? Yeah, California. California. I think they're like mid-state here because they still talk about they're close enough to Sacramento. Got it. So further north than L.A., but then he could have gone south for Die Hard. Yeah, Yeah, so it's post-Ghostbusters, and then he brings him post-Ghostbusters pre-Die Hard, uh, and right after this is where he, you know, makes it to Sergeant. Uh, mm-hmm. And in Die Hard, and so there's that. And then after Die Hard, he uh, adopts the name as of Carl Winslow. I think my head canon largely <laughs> Reginald Val Johnson yeah. is that he uh, after all of the events of Die Hard, uh, it, it, he becomes too famous, and they're like you gotta go by an alias. And so <laughs> then he starts a family in Chicago, and that's where he ultimately lives his second life. The Winslows are his cover. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Witness protection, but you're still going to be a police officer. Yep. yep. But you're going to be a different kind of police officer. 
And don't worry, the, we'll, we'll put a very distracting neighbor to just really absorb the gravity of attention. Uh, so that's my opinion. <laughs> Uh, no, I like that. Uh, that's great. Um, my headcanon was a majority of my notes, to be honest. Oh, yeah, um, go for it. Because, you know, Ricky, you, you, you hook into an idea. Uh, in this case, it was during the opening title sequence. And yep. then you just support it the entire time, regardless of any conflicting evidence. Yeah, like, like you really sink your teeth into it. Really? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Like an old shoe. Mm-hmm. Uh, my headcanon is that Turner, Tom Hanks, yep. is a character, um, is a serial killer. <laughs> sure, I've been watching way too much Dexter, but I think it holds up. <laughs> Hear me out. So Turner is a serial killer. He's very neat. We get yeah, that immediately sure. from him cleaning the, the mustard off the bread bag. Yeah. Um, very thorough. Uh, he keeps to himself. They, they mention that a bunch of times. He's even reading A Hundred Years of Solitude as an Easter egg there. Um, he is pretty high strung. Uh, the way that he vacuums Reginald Vell Johnson's torso in the car. Um, and, I mean, one of the first shots is him looking at both sides of his face in the mirror to indicate his his duality, the the two sides of him. Um, and so I, I think there's a deeper nature of his character. There's more of a, that, that two-faced aspect of who he presents to the world and who he is deep down. And this cleanliness ultimately allows him to leave very little evidence from his killings. Um, it is similar to, to Dexter in, in that yeah. he has to be organized, to, especially since he works with the police department just uh-huh. like in dexter as well um but that allows him to be close to these cases and reginald L. johnson points out like there are very little felonies actually in the the filing cabinet a ton of misdemeanors but the the felonies are really light and i believe that's because uh you know turner has gotten to them before they're ever processed and he takes them out Ah. just like in Dexter. So it's it's an indication of he has been dealing with the more heinous crimes uh, in Cypress Point or whatever the community was called. Um, he's been dealing with these just on his own, at, which is also why whenever there is a murder, he seems to be the only one in the entire department that has actually had any interaction with yeah. uh, dead bodies. And he knows everything by the book of exactly how to process the evidence, what to look for. Um, I mean, even more so than the sheriff's department that they bring in. And he is the subject matter expert. We know at the end that uh, Craig T. Nelson was keeping him on it because he thought that he didn't know what he was doing. He wanted someone that was inept to be handling this case. But he wouldn't have known that Turner was actually killing people on the side and had a very deep, intimate working knowledge of how to cover up evidence, look for evidence, process the body, all that kind of stuff. However, this headcanon escalates when... Oh, one of the things, too, is that the, the kid even says, like, oh, your badge looks fake. So I don't know what to do with that, but it did it did indicate to me some... Uh, level of uh, you know a doubtful nature of his character yeah. uh, that the kids and 
uh, Hooch has a weird reaction to him as well, which is a thing with killers, I guess, that dogs can (laughs) intuit certain things about it, uh, about that, like, inner personality or whatever. Um, And uh, my my headcanon then is that the reason he is leaving – isn't just for the job. It's that he needed to get out of the community because he had had some close calls with getting caught um, and that it was kind of oversaturated in this area and just needed to move on and stay uh, mobile so that he did not ultimately get caught for being the serial killer that he is. Um, now, I, I escalate this when I start to uh, – oh, I also – I should have pointed out he flosses too. That's a major <laughs> red flag. Super – sorry, it was in my notes here. I skimmed right over it. He flosses. Serial killer. Uh, no, you sh- everyone should floss. PSA. Floss. It's important. Uh, he's just like – as he's murdering people, it's like, you know you're bleeding because you don't floss. It's just like, you're stabbing me. But it was the, around the time that I started this headcanon is he was flossing. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> that is a serial killer right there. Click, click. Yep. Um, no, it, there's all that. But the flossing is important because I believe he's a very specific type of serial killer. I think Turner is a cannibal. I think he is eating his victims. Oh. And I, <laughs> I came across this because he seems to know a lot about cooking. Uh, and in the scene with veterinarian where he he's like that's not how you make it and like I want to eat you know in the next five hours and and like all of that kind of stuff yet at the same time he has almost nothing in his fridge he has just a bunch of condiments and like bread and stuff like where are the entrees if he's such a great cook and also a very aggressive cook so in terms of what we know about his house you know he's got the thumbprint decor which red flag immediately <laughs> over his bed he's got that but then we also see his garage incredibly organized tool set that you would need for dismembering and such uh, and then his kitchen is just cooking equipment but very little ingredients and so the way he you know, he cracks the egg and throws it and he's whisking super like it's all very violent, but with a uh, uh, an ease and a working knowledge of you know, he knows his way around the kitchen. But that juxtaposition of being so into cooking and yet being so unprepared with the cooking. And I guess it's supposed to be like after Hooch has raided his fridge and all that. But even in that that montage of Hooch bringing everything out, you still get the sense that it's a it's a pretty sparse selection. So where is he getting this food? It's from his victims. He's killing them. He's eating them. <sighs> Turner and Hooch has a much darker backstory than we ever could have known. If there was a prequel to this, it just would have been like a Silence of the Lambs type story. Uh, so, yeah, that's... So- uh, that's my head cannon. That is so convincing that my head cannon about your head cannon is that <laughs> that is the original pitch. <laughs> that was the original <laughs> pitch, and they made it's, that movie. They made that cannibalistic movie. serial killer has to adopt a dog. Yeah, yes, like, yes, <laughs> because it was originally uh, pitched as like, oh, so so you know how they they, they say uh, you know it's a dog eat dog world. Um, <laughs> 
what if what if we had a cannibal teamed up with a dog? It's a man eat man world. <laughs> well, he makes a, an interesting comment whenever you know when he meets Hooch. Hooch bites onto his neck, right? But he doesn't draw oh, blood or anything uh. like that. He then reverses it, where he bites onto Hooch's neck, and he makes a comment. He's like, "It's an interesting, uh, what does he say? It's an interesting sensation, isn't it?" And so there's this sense of like, "Yeah, I get that they're flipping it, but it also really <laughs> seems like he's done this a lot to other people." <laughs> Oh man, it's such a sweet movie, I, I and like it's a movie from my childhood and all that. But once it was in my head, it could I couldn't get it out of my head. Yeah, yeah. yeah once you have evidence that someone could potentially be a murderer, then that's all you see. I mean, that's that's the premise of Rear Window. It's just like I think that's a yeah. Everything from here on out just looks like murder tactics. It's like everything in his fridge. That's just garnish. Oh, yeah. for for the human meat. That Absolutely, he's been consuming 100%. <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. Thank you, Grayson. Thank mm. you for taking it there. <laughs> Thank you. I really hope that's where the Disney Plus series goes, <laughs> right? There's been a vacuum. That was a murder. It's Josh Peck, secret cannibal in Turner and Hooch. Yes. All right, now we're going to go to a part of the show where we like to talk about recast and remakes. Recast, remake. If this movie were to be made today, who would you cast? What would the storyline be? Now, they you know, currently are doing a recast and remake on Disney Plus where Josh, where Josh Peck plays uh, Turner Jr. That's not his name um, because Turner is the last name and you don't... <laughs> You you don't name people after the last name, after not the, typically at least. No, but I I think this does go back to my head canon. I'm still on that. They got Josh Peck because he was feeling a bit peckish. Okay, I'm past <laughs> it. I'm past it. Yes, uh, he actually it plays uh, Scott Turner Jr., where he is trying to uh, become uh captain or chief and then he gets assigned a police dog so he uh, is the son of yes okay that makes sense and i should have watched the pilot in prep for this but i did see that when i was going down the Reginald johnson rabbit hole he plays he's in the show and plays the same character so i was like yes. wait a minute this is more than a remake this has to be an extension yeah yeah and uh and so there is that. So, but if they were to do this as a movie, um, I would love for there to be just a a Turner and Hooch sequel where basically the the sequel follows basically Tom Hanks after he established this um, Turner and Hooch uh, police academy type thing, where it's just like uh, he becomes head of like the K nine unit. Uh, and he just trains, he just becomes a really phenomenal dog trainer and, and teaches these animals to, you know, become canine unit dogs. And and then basically, I, I think that that would be the premise. Turner Hooch presents Hobbs and Shaw. Uh, Fast um, and the Furriest. Yeah, Fast and the Furriest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so they, it just becomes its own series of movies that have. Uh, Turner and Hooch at the core, and it's just a bunch of different police people with their dogs. Yeah. I, I think that that could be interesting. I also think that a series that's animated would mm. be really fun. 
Um, but Hooch wouldn't talk, okay? But I want yeah. it to be animated um, in the Archer style. Um, oh, I, I think yeah. that that would be just a ton of fun, and they just follow Turner and Hooch, but it's also voiced by uh, H. John Benjamin, of course. Right, yeah. This is uh, this is how we get ants. Is you leave mustard on the bread? I mean, do you really? Yeah. I mean, this is this how you eat muffins? Just so sloppily. <laughs> I, I, mean, brought, I brought you a muffin, and you let it just you let it just lay on the dock. It's got dock water on it. Uh, I mean, come on. We've uh, no one wants a dock water. No, dock no, water no. Muffin. no. So that was our pitch. So Hollywood, you know, yeah, Disney Plus. Go. Man, I am out of practice on H. John <laughs> Benjamin. Is what I am. It's been maybe ten years. <laughs> we got the meats. Uh, um, yeah, I like that. I think that's uh, th- there's definitely room to continue expanding. And based on the character posters that I saw uh, for the Disney Plus series, it seems like they might take it that way. Uh, where it was a really well done campaign, where it's not just Turner and Hooch. It, they would replace the names of each of the characters, and then and Hooch. Um, so that could be its own thing, just the And Hooch series. Because uh-huh. in the words of John Dorian, Hooch is crazy. <laughs> um, my my recast, uh, I totally agree with the remake. Animated, I think, would be great. But for the recasting, I had Dev Patel uh, for yes. Turner. Yes. Um, oh, yeah. I, I just love Dev Patel in everything he does. Um, more Dev Patel. And then for uh, Reginald Bell Johnson's character, I had Chris Red from SNL. Um, you know, he's doing Keenan and all that. I just, I, I really like Chris Red. I want to see him in more stuff. I think he'd be great in that kind of role. And then um, for Hooch, uh, Andy Circus in a mocap suit. Come on, 100%. It's been a while. I think it's time. The world's yeah. ready. Yeah. Andy Circus in a mocap suit. Andy Circus in the mocap suit. I think that that would be really great. I would love to see Andy Circus and Benedict Cumberbatch, like uh, uh, two people in a horse costume, uh, <laughs> but, you know, a dog. Uh, <laughs> capture capture that footage and then... Benedict you, Cumberbatch you... is front of Hooch. <laughs> Andy Circus is back of Hooch. Dev Patel is Turner. So uh, I don't know if you saw this on uh, on Twitter. Of, it feels like years ago. Uh, but have you seen the trend where it's just like uh, you can replace a movie with the entire cast with Muppets except for one character. What's the one character that stays human uh, in the premise? So I would love them to do a Muppet version of Turner and Hooch mm. where... Uh, Hooch is a puppet, uh, yeah. and everyone else are Muppets, and Tom Hanks is just himself, and I would I would watch that movie. That'd be great. I'd, l- I'd just love to see a movie of Tom Hanks having to to train a Muppet police officer at, at his job. <laughs> yeah. And they're getting the files all out of order. And, yep. Yeah. Uh, Muppets everywhere. Muppets, Muppets every- yeah. everywhere. And now we're going to go into the final part of our show where we like to give you our reasons to recommend. So Grayson, why would you recommend Turner and Hooch? I recommend Turner. Is it ampersand Hooch? It is. Oh, great. Um, I recommend this movie because it is so heartfelt. Uh, It is uh, deceptively simple 
in its execution where you, know, you take you take the the known beats of like a, a cop drama they're there you take the known beats of a buddy comedy they're there and it it merges them in su- such a way that um you think you're expecting a certain i mean you, you you settle in and then it does just it has you once you are bought into this relationship of turner and hooch um it doesn't veer away from that i noticed when I was watching the movie, I was like, I feel like a lesser film would have kept checking in on like the doc situation, like the, the mm. villainous operations. And you would have had these scenes where you're like, I don't care about your shipping and receiving of the drugs into this town or whatever. Um, they recognize that. And like, we're just going to go away from that until it's relevant again and really camp out with this relationship of a neat freak having to take in a dog. It's very much like odd couple with a dog, right? And and they lean into that. And so I I, I appreciate that. I think that's such a strong, you know, expertly delivered choice. Um, it's a story of connection, uh, from especially from someone who thinks that they don't want any connections, right? He's moving away. That's the ultimate disconnection from a community and ultimately hooch is his way back in to connecting mm-hmm. with people again um it's a, it's a story of sacrifice so you know hooch tried to save his original owner right but couldn't get through the window and all that and mm-hmm. and when you look at you know what's what's at stake here what is what's the arc really, of all of this. It focuses a lot on Turner moving away, and there's the redemption of... Nothing really went wrong with him as a cop, so he's not, like, trying to get back on the force or anything like that. He was just kind of done. He's going to move on to a different law enforcement job in Sacramento. But for Hooch, that is... When I talk about deceptively simple but actually being incredibly emotionally deep, Hooch saw his owner killed and then spends the entire movie trying to reconnect with another owner uh, and then ultimately sacrifices himself to save Turner. And so you're like, wow, who is the, who's the hero of this movie? It's Hooch. It's and Hooch. Uh, So that is the kind of thing where it's like, I definitely did not get that as a kid. Um, so if it's been a while since you've seen this movie, if you're like, oh, yeah, I saw it in the early 90s or in the late 80s when it first came out, like, it is definitely worth a rewatch. It's on Disney+. Plus. Uh, go and check it out. It's like an hour and 40 minutes. It's it's really quick, but they pack a ton of story into that amount of time. And it's just so full of emotion and relationships and does not veer away or get distracted by plot points and all that it's it's really about the relationship between turner and hooch and ultimately at the end of it it's it's about discovering a new leash on life yes all right that's lunch yeah that's lunch. i don't know what i have to say about it like it's done that's it (laughs) uh yeah i i only thing I want to say about it is I, I think that uh, I'd recommend Turner and Hooch because this movie has way more to offer to it uh, than just like a silly dog cop movie. Again, so much heart, uh, so much mystery. Like 
there are several times throughout the movie where I'm like, yeah, what is happening? Like, what's happening at the docks? So, like, I'm over here talking to the screen like, oh, yeah, it's only happening at night. They need to stick out the place at night. <laughs> and then when they did stick it out at night, I'm like, oh, well, I, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> like, I, I was I was legitimately uh, confused. And so uh, it takes the movie takes you on a journey, and they deliver on that. And they, they aren't trying to... I feel passively entertain you. They really engage you into the story. There's character development from a dog. It's beautiful. It's really beautiful. Uh, so it's a it's a great time. The movie the movie's a good boy. It's a it's a good boy movie. Yeah. And if you're thinking, oh, it's just a kids movie, take into consideration lines like he was stabbed from behind in an upward motion between the fourth and fifth rib, so it punctured the lung, and he couldn't. Can't, can't even get a whisper out. It was like, well, this is this is like a crime thing. Yeah, this, is, yeah. this is very crimey. The right. family picture. <laughs> and that is our review of the 1989 movie Turner and Hooch. Let us know what you remember about Turner and Hooch on our social media, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Flashback Flicks. And it would mean so much to us if you could leave us a rating and review on your podcasting platform of choice. It lets everyone know that this podcast... Um, it, it might be an old podcast, but we review new old old movies. I thought it was going to mm. land into a different yeah. thing, but it's not. We should have a new segment, though. Maybe it's been coming yeah. up on seven years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you can't teach an old podcast new tricks, but we have new episodes, so I guess that counts. Mm. What are we doing again? Ratings. So leave us a rating and review <laughs> on a scale. Of one to five uh, slobber laces. Slobber laces, yeah. yeah. And keep in mind, whatever rating you leave is automatically multiplied by seven. Yes. So in, yeah, dog thank ears, you yeah. in advance. Yeah. yeah. And be sure to tune in next time right here on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. Until then, remember to be kind and rewind. Next time on the Flashback Flicks Retro Movie Podcast. With Jordan Peele's Candyman coming out to theaters. Oh, it's almost here. We're taking a look at another creepy Candyman from the 2005 Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Call your dentist in advance. Mm, mm-hmm. you know, Excuse it's, me, it's, Blockbuster employee, <laughs> can you recommend something that's very um, teeth forward? Ah, yes. We have a new one that you'll really enjoy. Hey, Roald Dahl, you thought you hated the first one? Well, listen to this. Every movie's a miracle. We're going to love it. Let's do it.